As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing, Big Jed, foot break, Jed. How are you? Well, Luke, I don't, uh, I don't think I can be referred to as foot break, Jed, any longer. That lasted oh, about that, a week. Was, that, was yeah. that short-lived? Yeah, I was put back in my place uh, at the foot break races this weekend at Capital City Motorsports Park. So, just call me Big Jed, if you will. That'd be good enough. Big Jed, how are you? I am real good. I am real good. Uh, fresh off of uh, of a Bigfoot break race down there at Capital City. Had a great time being in the lanes with all the guys and uh, enjoyed the event. Can't wait to do more of that type stuff, but um, I'm glad it's behind me as well because I didn't perform very well. But nonetheless, i um, looking forward to the show. We've got a lot of great stuff to discuss, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks of uh, some big money bracket racing as well that we're going to get to talk about at future events but for this one luke we're going to talk about foot brake racing we're going to talk about big time bracket racing and we're going to talk about nhra racing and luke the interesting thing is there were points battles in both bracket and nhra competition that are were very exciting and continuing to be very exciting it's that time of year and it's also the time of year like the the, the OG million is on the horizon. We'll talk a little bit about that late in the show as well. All that and more, but first, DJ North. Okay. 
Big Jed, we spent all last week breaking down the NHRA points, and there's some significant action storyline on the NHRA side that I want to get to, but I think we've talked about it enough. Let's start somewhere else. You were at a race over the weekend where, uh, what, 100 plus of the best foot breakers in the world converged. What happened in Montgomery? Yeah. Luke, it, uh, it was a, you know, a foot break race that was not, uh, heavily attended, but golly, the people that were there were freaking all-stars. I mean, it was a very nasty field and, um, it's called the Alabama two-step. It's the inaugural event. It was three tens, two on Saturday, one on Sunday. Really liked that format. It was a cool deal. Started early on Saturday finished at a decent time Saturday night and then had Sunday to wrap it up with another 10 grander. So I really liked it. It should have been called the Alabama bloodbath because that's what it was in terms of talent. Um, but it was a really good race. Um, had perfect weather, the kind of weather that we, we wait all year for, you know, uh, about 77, 78 degrees in the afternoon and probably mid fifties in the morning when you got started kind of really perfect tough field of cars the program ran smooth um you know they they kept cars rolling down the track uh ohio ruled the action um there were three yeah ohio there were three racers there from ohio and um they they run amok on the place as far as a state goes we'll talk about that in a little bit and lastly if you're attending any events there anytime the concession stand's amazing. I just felt like that needed to be mentioned because uh, track concessions are not always great. They're really good at I-57 drag strip where you call home, Luke, but um, they're typically not. But the concession stand, the trip zip grill is fantastic at Capital City Motorsports Park. Neither here nor there. The racing action was a 3K gamblers race on Friday. That was won by Wesley Cox. And uh, he got that win over Lucas Walker, a couple of bad dudes there on the bottom. Saturday's first 10K was won by none other than nasty Nick Hastings, one of the Ohio racers that I mentioned. He got that win over Hagen Gary. Hagen had a V6 super stalker down there racing off the foot and uh, performed very, very well. Hagen was very impressive. Who did really you say Hagen Gary lost to? Yeah, it was nasty Nick Hastings. Never heard of him. Uh, yeah, he, he rolled in and, and got his 10K win uh, in race one. Race two was a couple of Alabama boys. That was Tim Garrison, a friend of mine from up around I-22 Motorsports Park, kind of uh, northwest of Birmingham, an hour and a half or so. He got that win over none other than Adam Davis, AD South, making a final round there in the 10K no surprise, uh, driving boss man Chevy too. Then on Sunday, it was all Ohio. It was all OH Luke. It was Michael Beard getting the win over Edmund Ellison. A couple of bad, bad dudes. We know Michael Beard from the Loose Rocker Promotions team. Edmund Ellison, obviously Caleb's brother, very talented bottom bobber, was driving Adam Davis's other Camaro, the orange one that he uh, drove for many, many years. Adams got that back and Edmund wheeled it to a 10K final. So really tough racing. And again, um, pretty much everywhere you positioned yourself in the lanes, you didn't really want to look over at the opponent because it was a bad, bad, bad cat, but uh, had a really good time and um, enjoyed being out there with the footbreakers again, Luke. 
Okay. Just because I have so many fans, Big Jed, in the state of Ohio, like I've endeared myself to that population for years on this show. They do love you. I've got a little pushback. You said there are three entrants from the state of Ohio, right? Yeah, I think it was just three. Yeah. Okay. Nick Hastings, Michael Beard, Edmund Ellis. No, there was four because Caleb was there too. My apologies. Okay. okay. Well, I'll give you the four. I, I'll so I'll stretch this out a bit then. Let's say that we have a a big dollar top ball brace, and the four winners are Troy Williams Jr., Gage Birch, Gary Williams, and I don't know Claude DeBonis. Does that mean that Florida's the baddest state in the country? Like, I don't think that those four dudes are necessarily representative. It's not like you go to Florida and race everybody you race is Troy Williams Jr. So let, let's let's just let's cool our jets a Look, little bit. If those were the only four Floridians there and they represented three or four percent of the field and they went to all the or most of the finals, yeah, that's exactly what I, I would say. I mean, okay. I know you don't want to give Ohio any credit I here. I don't. I really but don't. But you got to give it where it's due, bro. <laughs> All right. All right. OH. <laughs> IO. Yeah. It was good to see, though. That was a, it was a good good event, and uh, it was full of talent. It was fun to watch them uh, scrap it out out there, all those great foot brake racers from all over. There were um, notable, I guess you'd, you'd say, regional bracket that bracket events uh, around the country last weekend. Uh, there was the 10G at BG, the Mutt and Jeff race. Um, but the one I wanted to focus on was the, uh, the triple threat at uh, Virginia Motorsports Park. That was the, the last weekend of a three race series that I think this is the second year of it. And it, it seems from the outside that that series has gained tremendous traction, not just regionally. Like there's a lot of traveling hitters that seem to converge uh, on Virginia Motorsports Park for each of these events. seems like they're well-attended. seems like everybody has a good time. Um, seems like it's developing a, a pretty solid following. And within that series is a, is a year-long points chase, Big Jed. And, and when you look down the sheet in the points chase, it's, uh, it's names that we're very familiar with. It's John LaBoose Jr. It's Corey Galletti. It's Kyle Coltrera. And those guys were all at the top. But they didn't win the, the season-long points, did they, Jed? They did not, Luke. And uh, it was an incredible, incredible run, incredible story by Stevie Dustin. Stevie came into the event, Luke, in 23rd position in the points. Now, it doesn't matter really how far you're back. The key here is there were 22 racers in front of him so even if you're only six rounds back i don't know how many rounds back he was let's say you're six eight over the weekend but there's 22 racers got an opportunity and all 22 are probably there they've got an opportunity to to gain points and win in front of you but stevie pulled it off he wins friday's race he goes to sunday's final and that making that final round put him in front in the points to win it all from 23rd position with Luke, the first ballot hall of fame talent that you mentioned in front of him. Incredible story for Stevie Dustin. Um, He basically, I think I saw his post where he said, basically I just come into the race, not really thinking about points, just trying to win as many rounds as I could and see where I land. 
And that almost feels like an advantage when you come in 23rd, the nothing to lose, no worries, not tightened up, thinking about it every round attitude. And obviously that lasted for a while until it got serious and he could see that he had a, a real opportunity to win and he still performed well and got it done. Wonderful story by Stevie Dustin. Will Holloman was the MVP of the event, went in Saturday and Sunday, the 20 grander and the wrap up 10. But Stevie Dustin was the story of the weekend. And Luke, I watched the, the Going Bracket Racing uh, YouTube channel with Casey Beckmeyer and George Ashton Jr. earlier today. And they they touched on something that was really key, that the points battle and chase is what made this event so interesting you got the same guy in the final friday and sunday the same guy wins saturday and sunday that takes a little bit of the excitement and luster out of it but the points chase and ryan gleghorn announcing and discussing that every round win was the key to this and kept it exciting i loved it i thought it was a, a really neat story and something that certainly put a lot of excitement in the event You've got a really good point there, Jed, and I don't know that I'd ever really thought about it in those terms, but I, I think you're dead on and the, and the the gang from Going Bracket Racing is dead on. Like, I think back to the Moroso five days certainly comes to mind, like the allure of, and that's just a one weekend or one week deal, right? But the allure of the points chase and everybody's checking it and everybody knows where everybody stands coming into day three, day four, day five, right? And it definitely adds a a level of, intrigue uh, excitement like the atmosphere is more electric on day last where honestly you know typically by day number last like half of us are ready to get the heck out of there right that's not the case those races the the 10 tuck series used to be the same way that was a season-long points chase and by the last weekend it just felt different and there was i don't know what the the payout for this was at virginia like the the 10 tuck deal the morosa deal they're both like five grand to win it was enough that it mattered right and it really it increases the the stakes, I guess, but I think more so just the the emotion, the accomplishment attached to feeling like you came out on top of a of a season long deal. Like I, I think there's something there. Definitely something there. And again, you know, the the talent in front or around you makes that even sweeter. Um so Stevie Dustin gotta be feeling very accomplished today, yesterday, whenever to know that he was, I mean, let's be honest, Luke, 23rd in the points. That's not even a guy that you're saying, hey, with a good weekend, you know. But he he pulled it off, got it done with all that amazing talent around him. They uh, The guys that go in bracket racing touched on a point that I didn't realize, but with Corey losing his entry first round, although you're able to buy back, I think they said your points are only half from that point on. You're not That's getting full points for the win. Well. Yeah. So. I thought, what a nice spin on that. And it's not a total punishment to buy back, but it does have consequences for losing first round. What a great spin on a point series. Tyler Crossnow and the guys at, at VMP obviously put all this together and have done a phenomenal job with it. The series is growing. It's obviously attracted some Hall of Fame talent and a lot of racers around that really exciting deal great for tyler and, and the folks here at vmp very happy for them and uh, a job very well done and stevie dustin got to be feeling wonderful with that championship coming from way back in the back row 
I did want to circle back. You had mentioned, you know, a little bit of insight just from his social media post on, on Stevie Dustin's mindset and how I think we would all be better served to, to go into it, not necessarily counting points, just trying to win races. A good friend of ours, Big Jet, a good friend of the podcast once told me, said something to the effect of, yo, dog. He said, he said, yo, dog. <laughs> You ain't you ain't got to count the points every round. If you win a championship, they'll call and let you know, dog. It's a really good. It's really good advice from somebody that's won uh, more championships than he has fingers. Yeah, way more than he has fingers and toes. I Almost think. more than he has fingers and toes. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Antoine. Uh, <laughs> that's words of wisdom from a, a guy that's collected a lot of points in his life, Luke. Uh, I'm getting way down a rabbit hole here. That's actually not my favorite Antoine line. So you've done this a little bit, Jed. You remember the the the, the, the stock super stock stuff, right? Sure. Well, the the year or two that I, I did that, I told a stock story last week, didn't I? Man, I'm I'm digging them out of the vault here. We're at Rockingham, and we had to make a move on the ladder, and so we got this thing zero weight oil iced down. Like I ain't never really tried to go fast with it you know and and we weren't fast when we were trying to go fast but we were obviously faster than when we were in bracket mode so i don't know what to expect i sit down in this thing and i go to start it at the ready line and it won't hardly run like we got the 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 intake so cold it won't idle and i thought like it's broke something i shut it off and anthony is standing across the staging lanes and comes walking over grinning and he's like listen dog when you can't get that bitch to idle, it about haul ass. Good luck, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so he recognized that from across the lanes. <laughs> he said, you're on it. You got it. You'd be fine. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> what you wanted. You wanted it to, to run like crap. Good stuff. Sound just like him. All right. So from one points battle to another, I think that's a good transition into where we're at with this NHRA chase in multiple classes. Obviously, we broke it down in depth last week. Well, <clears throat> since then, we've had what looks like it will prove to be a, a pivotal event. And I guess you could have predicted this coming in, a, a double divisional this late in the season. There's actually another one on the calendar this week out west in Bakersfield. Double divisional <clears throat> in the middle of the country. Um, I guess a little bit chilly, but largely, like you said at Montgomery, just perfect weather conditions, no chance of rain for four days. Um, <clears throat> it's a central location where that, that event has always drawn, it's a division three event, but it's always drawn heavy from division five, heavy from division four, just due to location. And then this year it comes on the heels. We'd mentioned a week ago of the, the cancellation of the division one event in Virginia and a cancellation this late in the season really flips things upside down. And my impression was that it, it, it made a lot of the racers upset, you know, that, that this race was canceled. Well, they were so upset that they drove halfway across the country to come to Gateway because literally everybody came to St. Louis. There was almost 800 cars yeah. on the ground. Uh, I saw the pictures. It was incredible. I've never, I don't, I don't think it's like a record breaking divisional event. I think Vegas probably has that, uh, that record that, that Vegas late season race is always like this. It's always a marathon. Um, I had, I don't believe I had ever staged up in an eight round super gas race. The first of the two double headers was an eight round super gas race. Big J. There's 132 super gas cars that staged for first round, 160 wow. trying to qualify for stock eliminator. They only take 128. I mean, it was just, 
it, I guess it predictable when you sit back and, and factor all of that in, but it was nonetheless amazing. And it really, it made for a cool atmosphere because with few exceptions, not only were there a million cars there, seemingly everyone there was racing for something, whether it was a, a division championship, a national championship, a top 10 finish, like everybody seemed to have a reason to be there. And it just, it heightened the competition. The atmosphere was electric. Like it was a really cool event. And the, and I'll, and I'll credit the, the staff there, both division three and worldwide technology raceway um, given the sheer amount of cars and the the temperatures because Sunday got nice. Thursday was nice Friday and Saturday. Like you couldn't race early and you couldn't race late. It was just too cold. And um, I never dreamed that they could get two races in, in the time that they did. And we ran the, the final, I was the last car down the track, thankfully um, Sunday evening before midnight uh, and before it got too cold and they got everything in, in four days. It was really pretty incredible pretty impressive. It was a marathon, as you might imagine, 800 cars in one premises to run two races. Um, but it was actually a lot of fun. And I thought they did a great job. Yeah, that, that uh, I was parked by Woody Adcock. So obviously, um, he, he was pretty close to what was happening out there in St. Louis with with Hugh and Sherman out there competing. And uh, Woody was keeping me up to date. And it, it sounded like everybody involved was probably expecting a large crowd but got more than they expected and adjusted very well to to what was happening in the pits and put a solid plan together to get all the racing done you know tremendous challenge on their part because you know it's one thing to have that many cars in one category luke where everybody's on the same page and flowing when you've got that many categories and you've got people that where you have to have some type of qualifying to get people in the field and all of those things. There's a lot of challenges there. And it sounded like they adjusted very well to them and met those challenges and got the racing completed. Obviously, very important points, battles, uh, implications going on within those categories. And for them to get all of that done and fight so hard to do it. Uh, I I got to give them definitely a round of applause there for for fighting so hard to make sure that they give their uh, members an opportunity to to compete for not only those events but for the points chases that they're involved in. So really good stuff, and uh, you know I know that we're going to discuss it here, but uh, happy to see you get out there and and have a a very late finish yourself to to keep your chase alive as well. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. It was uh, it was impressive looking back. Like they made all of the right calls. And Worldwide Technology Raceway, not a small facility by any stretch, right? Just the the pit area that we normally use for a bracket race is large, right? Well, that spilled over. The circle track was full, and yes, that spilled over. Like there was probably forty, fifty rigs parked on the other side of the racetrack. Jed, I didn't even know you could get to the from there to the pits like that gate <laughs> off the road it, it's sally martini handled all the parking and obviously there's no one better she had her hands full and she did one heck of a job it was it was pretty wild to watch i don't know if you've seen some of the overhead views like they I did, did. We, we were stuffed in every nook and cranny of that place and it, it was it actually as as unenjoyable as that might sound it, i think it just added to the atmosphere like it was 
it was pretty electric. It was cool. And, and that, to your point, facilitated some clutch performances, which we get to late in the season and the points chases are, are, are swirling and typically someone's, someone's going to, to step up, you know, or several in this case are going to step up. And we had that in St. Louis lead it off with our man, big kid, Pete Dagnolo, who started the weekend uh, in race one with a super stock runner up newsflash Pete D had another big weekend that runner up that race actually counted full. He got all the points for it. So that moved him to 677 points nationally. You know, he was unable to improve in race number two, 677 is a score that should win. Like you crest 650, you got to feel good about yourself. And Pete should feel good about himself. He should also not feel like really secure in the fact that he's going to be a world champion. He might, he deserves to, but how good can you feel when the guy, well, guys breathing down your throat are five-time NHRA world champion, Greg Stanfield, Wyatt Wagner, Ryan McClanahan, I mean, <laughs> Pete D has three races left at which he could improve. He's actually parked by Pete D. You got to spend a lot of time with him over the weekend. He convinced me he's done, not going anymore. And 677 ought to hold up. But man, with those guys chasing you, uh, there ain't no guarantees. Yeah, I don't know how you could feel very comfortable with that. But what he can feel comfortable with is his points total. And knowing that 677 100%. is is a fantastic year and you know he he did everything that he could reasonably to claim the title and if it doesn't work i guess he's obviously comfortable with whatever result he gets but 677 super solid and uh, i'm not sure what he would have to do to improve that score i'm sure you know that very well but you know, with the travel involved and all of the unknown out there to to go improve on that must not be something that is going to be very easy to do. So I respect his decision to shut it down and just see where that lands him. No, 100%. I think um, as we talked about before, what has the only Pete Agnolo has done nothing all season to hurt his chances. I mean, the second race at St. Louis, he lost a, a double breakout by a thousandth or two in round two. That was his worst finish all season. There wasn't another race where he lost before round three nationals, divisionals all year, right? That in and of itself is incredible. And that's what he had. That's what he leaves on the table to improve is a third round loss at a, at a divisional event. Um, and as we talked about last week, the, the, the scheduling and the nature of the cancellations have probably hurt Pete Dagnolo as much or more than anyone, right? Like I know that he was in Columbus, was going to run that divisional event that got canceled. I know that his rig was in Virginia when they pulled the plug on, on that race. So that's, that's the two races that fill his quota, right? Assuming that they both get in um, and it may not matter. Like he may go, you get, you get to claim points at, at your best eight of 14 races and Pete's been to 11 says he ain't going no more. And it, and it probably should be enough. That is so impressive, right? Um, but again, I just don't think if you're Pete D, you can't rest easy until this is over. Um, Stanfield is the biggest threat. I mean, just he's won five of these things, right? Like he's the pressure is not going to impact Greg Stanfield in a negative way. I think we can all attest to that. And he's got basically every race on the schedule remaining. He can earn points at. He's got three nationals yet to claim. He's got one divisional left, uh, which he can improve. He's 62 points back. So what that means in layman's terms is of the three national events remaining, Dallas, Vegas, Pomona, 
if he can win one, Greg Stanfield can win one, he would surpass Pete Dagnolo. If he could get deep at two, because he's improving two early losses at national events. So let's say he goes to the semifinals at one and the quarterfinals at another, that would be enough, for example, to surpass Pete D. And then he's still improving, uh, Greg Stanfield's still improving a fourth round on the divisional side. So there is a number of combinations in which he could still accrue 62 more points, right? I don't, I don't know that it's more likely than not, but it's hard to bet against Greg Stanfield. And even if Stanfield get, doesn't get there, like I said, Pete Dagnola still has to worry about Wyatt Wagner, still has to worry about Ryan McClanahan. Those two would have to get pretty hot at this point to surpass the total that Pete D has put up. But obviously they're two very, two drivers, very capable of doing that. So I guess if we step back from this, your point is solid, Jed, in that <clears throat> Pete D has nothing to hang his head about what he's put together is an incredible season uh, and whether it finishes first or second, like it's, it, it, it's still an incredible season. I'm just not convinced that 677 is going to win Superstock. for Pete's sake. Like I hung out with him all weekend. He's a cool dude. I hope it does. Um, I, Greg, if you're listening, I, I didn't say that, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like all those guys. Um, but, um, but no, I mean, 677 is incredible. And at the same time, like I, I'm not convinced it's going to win. And I'm not convinced he's done. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're done with a 62 point lead and a 677 total, but there's still improvement out there for you. And, you know, a, a late, a late opportunity to go somewhere and just take your shot is probably very tempting, way more tempting than he can feel at in the moment right now. So I'm not sure he's done. So we'll see know, how man. this plays he, out. He convinced me. I, I understand that late temptation, but when that late temptation is getting in the motorhome to drive from New York to Las Vegas with $6 a gallon diesel fuel to run one race that pays three grand to win. I can see pulling the plug. Like I think that's justifiable too. <laughs> Luke, you know, he's, he's maybe one phone call away from a buddy saying, Hey, I'm going, there's room in my trailer. Why don't we throw the super stocker in there? You fly out. Sure. He's he's one phone call from someone away from saying, hey, man, I got a bad ride out here and and I'll have it there. All you got to do is get there and take your shot. So you never really know how these things are going to play out. So we'll see. I'm, I'm not 100 percent convinced he's done. He told you he's done and I can understand your conviction there, but I'm not in the same boat. Luke. I'm not there yet. Good point. You never say never. You, you, you've got a good argument there. For as good a weekend, Big Jed, as Pete Dagnolo had in St. Louis, Brad Burton had just as bad a weekend. And what's funny about that is well, specifically for the second race at Gateway, Brad Burton had a rough day on Sunday. What's funny about that is that Brad Burton wasn't in St. Louis. He was 2,000 miles away, presumably. <laughs> Had a rough day on Sunday. We broke this down a week ago. I think we said 60% chance Brad Burton wins the Stock Eliminator World Championship. That's pretty tall odds, right? We listed, I think, three names, but two specifically that, that could upset that. Well, those two names were the last two on the sheet on Sunday. They ran in the final at St. Louis. That's Joe Santangelo and Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. Cuda, the puppy. <laughs> He said Santangelo kicks it red in the final. And this was, this was the final that's built up, you know, among 
two guys that are competing for the world championship. It's a strong possibility at this point with all due respect to Brad Burton. And he's still got a tremendous shot. He's still probably got the best shot if you want to break it down, but it's very possible that this final round matchup is ultimately for the world championship. And you had two guys that competed as if it was, um, Cooter leaves first double one Santangelo a half a second later, three thou red to decide it gives Cooter the win. And Jimmy Talco Jr., how about the, the show that he put on over those two weekends in St. Louis? He wins the national event in Stock Eliminator. He did lose early in the first leg of the double divisional, comes back and wins Stock Eliminator again in the second leg of the double divisional. Oh, by the way, also runner up in Super Stock at that event, nearly ran the table. And with that, now he is in really good position in the national points chase. Santangelo actually takes the lead with the runner-up finish. He surpasses uh, Brad Burton, who has led this thing since March, right? With the runner-up, Santangelo moves to 644 points. Um, Burton is just two rounds behind now at 624. Um, Brad Burton, for his case, has four races left to improve his, his score. He's improving a second round loss nationally, a third round loss divisionally. I would assume we will see his name in Bakersfield this weekend. He'll either run one or both of those divisionals, along with um, some combination of the Vegas and Pomona national events and potentially the Vegas points meet as well. Like It's a relatively easy path for Brad to fill his quota. So he's going to get four more opportunities to improve. And now, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr., after this incredible run at St. Louis, sits just one point behind Burton. So that's a little bit more than two rounds back of Santangelo. And Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. still has three national events at which to better a second round loss and one points meet remaining, which presumably will be Vegas, where he's also improving a second round loss. Um, So the ceiling for each of those guys is still really high. Santangelo can still improve as well. He's got one race left to do it. Um, improving a third round loss. He had also told me that he was done after St. Louis. I have a feeling we're going to see Joe Santangelo attend one more event somewhere along the line, because I don't as, as insecure I would, as I would feel in Pete Dagnolo's shoes, uh, Santangelo's lead is much more precarious, like just two rounds ahead of two guys that are immensely talented and are both improving second round losses. Like as solid as 644 is, I don't see it holding up. Um, but that's going to be so entertaining to watch. Like just if you, I don't know that you would necessarily peg those three guys as like the three that have separated themselves from the rest of the pack traditionally. But if you take the last decade of stock eliminator racing, big Jen, um, and then list off like, okay, just randomly, I'm going to pick certainly 10, maybe five racers that I just think are going to contend for the championship every year. Cooter Hidalgo, Brad Burton, and Joe Santangelo were on that list year after year after year. So to see the three of them battle this out with everything on the line, it's going to be super intriguing. Most definitely, Luke. This one is the one I'm most excited about. Uh, I mean, you're talking about perennial top 10 powers in this category year after year after year. And, you know, you're also talking about those powers having to win the second round or third round to, to start improving their points total. Yeah. With which, multiple opportunities to do it. Right. Which, yeah, sounds like a, you know, a, a sleepwalk for them to win second round, third round at, at nationals and divisional. So uh, there's definitely in my mind going to be some points improvement here from 
all contenders. So I'm pretty excited. Well, I, I say Sant'Angelo might not improve because he might not go. But again, I think once, I'm not saying if, I'm saying once one of these racers surpasses his total, that will probably spur him along to to take a shot somehow, some way, and maybe a borrowed ride or whatever at one of the West Coast events. So um pretty excited hey, about Jason this one. Angelo flies into Vegas to drive a car that he's never run before. That sounds eerily. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my... Joe Santangelo won his world championship. Yeah, I was going to say, could he even win the world again? You know what? So... This is coming back to me. Do you know who Joe Santangelo staged against in the final round at Vegas, having to win that round to surpass Jody Lang for the world championship? I do not. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. Get the heck out. It just comes full circle, big yet. Wow, this could be uh, rendezvous, as a friend of mine says sometimes. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> yeah, deja vu. But um, so again, Luke, with with that kind of talent, having to win the early rounds to improve points, there's going to be some points improvement, and this is going to get shaken up quite a bit more. Obviously, uh, Brad Burton, we we almost pretty much called it over. Uh, a little while back, and I still think Brad's sitting in the best position based on what you're telling me here. But at the same time, if these other racers are attending the events that Brad needs to gain points at, that's going to be a little extra cog in the in the in the chain. So that's going to um, possibly create an early round matchup that's got a lot on the line. We'll see how that plays out, but. Either way, this one is the one that has me most intrigued, and that's no offense because of what we're about to discuss next. Yeah, no, huge performances from um, from Hidalgo, from Santangelo, from Diagnolo, and I'll take a little bit of credit too. Um, I was able to advance to the the final round in the. Uh, I, I I like to build up the drama, Big Jed. I had. I like when that I, when I was sitting at six hundred points after Topeka. With five races left to go, I really liked my chances. And four races later, I was I was still sitting at six hundred points. I'm like, boy, this day isn't looking so good at all. Right? <laughs> Thankfully, we were able to stretch it out a little bit and, and needed to because had I left St. Louis with six hundred points, uh, the dream would be completely over. Uh, Bob Locke surpassed that that mark. Uh, I was able to stretch it up at thirty three points to the total with the with a runner up finish which still has me clinging to the national points lead leaving St. Louis. Um, similar to um, Joe Santangelo, I think probably more so Joe Santangelo than, uh, than Pete Dagnolo. I'm in a pretty precarious position. I'm done. I, 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 not only do I not want to go to more races, I can't, right? I, I, I could go, but I can't earn any more points, right? You'd and, just be uh, playing blocker. I could, um, but I'll be completely honest. Um, I heard something in the final. I'm not exactly sure what that was just yet. Haven't dug into it. Um, St. Louis is two hours from home. By the time that I rolled in the driveway, I literally, my, my, my motor home, it's, it's an Alpine coach. So I lovingly refer to her as Al, Al Alpine, right? <laughs> When we pulled in the driveway, Big Jed, I'd, I'd said for a month, this is our last race of the year. When we pulled in the driveway, I kind of rubbed her on the dash and was like, good job, Al. I'm glad we made it home. I ain't driving to Dallas or like I, I, everything I got's falling apart, Jed. I'm done. So it was good to, to stretch it out. And now I'm in the unenviable position of sitting back and, and watching everybody take their shot. And as proud as I am of my weekend, and I'll just, I'll say that for, for 
everybody, like I, I know this goes for the, the people that we've discussed to this point. <clears throat> it's so freaking cool to turn on those wind lights when it matters. Like I didn't drive awesome. Like it, it was a right place, right time kind of day. But I'm just telling you when to stage in the rounds that matter is awesome. Like it is literally the reason why I, why I think most of us do this. And to see those wind lights click off, like, again, I'll go back to what we were saying about Pete Tagnolo. Like you can stand back and say, dude, you are at a race with 800 cars. And if everything falls right, you can win $3,000. What are you doing at an NHRA points meet? I'm telling you rounds four, five, six, that wind light coming on felt every bit as good as rounds six, seven, eight in the million dollar race. Like it's just a big deal. It's just, it's cool. It's the reason why we do this stuff. And to have that opportunity, win, lose, or draw um, is really, really cool. So. Oh uh, yeah. Meaningful rounds, Luke, are are what you live for. Um, Again, you know, you can, we can all say there's other money that you should go chase and get after. And, but reality is this, that type of racing is a much different feel and knowing that every time you beat someone, they're done and you gain points and they didn't, and you've invested in a season long chase. Yeah. It's gotta be super exciting. Right. So the super positive on my end is that I drive to the, the runner up finish and race to and maintain extend slightly that super gas lead now i sit back and see what happens that's the good news the bad news is that on the weekend i went um what i go like nine and two on the weekend like i'm that's a that's a really solid round record except the two (laughs) my two losses were to my two closest pursuers in the points chase that's not optimal no that hurts in race one i lost uh, in round four to phil unruh uh in, in race two obviously lost in the final round to bob lock let's start with bob because if you remember, it was just a week ago, we broke all of this down and I'm not ashamed to admit, like we didn't mention Bob Locke because Bob Locke was off the grid. He was Stevie Dustin, big jet. I don't even know if he was 23rd, but here's <laughs> the way that the last 10 days have gone for Bob Locke national event in St. Louis. Bob drives to the semifinals of super gas loses in the semis. First divisional, the eight round divisional, like the nearly unprecedented eight round super gas race, Bob Locke runners up. Last divisional, Bob Locke wins. Like, what is the round record there? That's seven, 14 and one, and it was fifth round. So, on, yeah, <laughs> for the 10 days that he spent in, in St. Louis, Bob Locke went down the rounds, went down the racetrack in 20 rounds of competition and won 18 of them. That's how you go from off the grid to very much in contention for the world championship that combined with uh, a couple of, I think, runner ups early in the season. And obviously some solid performances throughout the year that had him lurking off the grid where, uh, you know, a performance like this would jump it up. So all of a sudden, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that assuming Bob Locke is willing to hit the road because he would have to go to more races and that's significant travel from his home in Indiana to presumably the West Coast. If he's willing to do that, like he is the favorite at this point. Um, he's 23 points back, has two nationals left to improve a third round loss, one divisional left to improve a second round loss. So if you were going to like, what does he actually have to do? I think if he makes it to the semifinals of a national event, he would take the lead. 
if he makes it to fifth round at a points meet, he would take the lead or some combination of, you know, late finishes close to that. Like it is very doable, especially for a guy that basically didn't lose for the last two weeks. Yeah. I mean, they're coming from off the grid out of sight, back row, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's as clutch as it gets 18 and two in 20 rounds, um, putting himself in position, you know, not only to, compete for it but appearing to have as good a shot or or better than anyone else left in the in the chase Luke that's an amazing performance by Bob Locke uh I don't know Bob I I did see some of the social media uh, hoopla around what he's accomplished lately and um it looks like he's a well-respected uh much highly liked gentleman that's just out here having fun love his hot rod love the the early model corvette uh body and that whole look so um really cool story i know that doesn't can't make you feel great about where you're positioned with with bob's recent success and obviously phil unruh and i mean what he's accomplished lately and even clutch performances here at this event so you got your hands full brother and uh i know no, you know I don't. that i'm done like i just get to sit back and watch so, I mean, there's no, it's pretty stress-free on this end I, I i can i can be both very proud of the season that we had and and it's not that i don't care whether or not win the world championship but i'm going to be proud of the season we had regardless and to your point you should. Like, it's um yeah to <laughs> you want to to think from the outside that like, okay, these guys are competitors. They just hate each other. And rarely is, is that the case, right? Uh, and maybe at times it was a little bit earlier in my career. Maybe I've got a little bit more perspective, but regardless, I don't care if I was 18 with a chip on my shoulder, you can't dislike Bob Locke. Like he's the coolest guy at the racetrack. And just from a, a, a sentimental, like a story perspective, if Bob goes on and wins this championship, he will 100% be on the show and we will probably be late to the party and telling his story because Jed, it's incredible. I mean, this is a man that um, I think less than a year and a half ago was diagnosed with like stage four terminal cancer and has come through that and is just the perspective that he has on racing in general and what he has been able to accomplish. It's quite frankly, like super refreshing um like this the story that goes along with his you know championship if that comes to fruition is something that we could all benefit from hearing and like i I ain't gonna be mad about it if that dude wins it and same way with phil like it's obviously it's it's a very heartwarming sentimental story with bob lock but phil henry good dude right great racer um and, and he's in good position as well right so uh <clears throat> I, t- I went through the scenarios for Bob Locke. Phil Henry can still earn points at, at every event left on the calendar, basically three national events. He's still improving a first round loss, one points meet, improving a third round loss. Um, he's 54 points back now, but just to put that in perspective, one win at any of those events, whether it's a national or divisional, he would take the lead and obviously he could compile, compile late round finishes without winning a race and, and take the lead as well. So those are the two biggest you know, threats, if you will, to, to a potential championship. And that's far from the list of racers that still have not just a mathematical, but, you know, a, a realistic chance um, if, if they can put a few good races together. So uh, proud of my season, but at the same time, um, not super optimistic that that score that I have is going to hold up.
Yeah, well, obviously it sounds like a worthy champion is going to come out of this regardless, somebody that earned it on the track and, and did it all the right way. So that's always a good thing. But Luke, reality is keeping that one on the scoop for two, for, you know, consecutive years is extremely rare and difficult and you're in position to do that. So you have to be proud of the, the effort that you put forth. I know that there's probably quite a few rounds in there that you wish had gone different and certainly um, hopefully or hope hoping that or wishing that you didn't have the the uh, mechanical issue in the final round as you stated in your Facebook post it was still going to be a difficult challenge even if everything worked the way it was supposed to but um, you know I, again I'm sure there's some things you wish you could do over but really good season and you're in position to to have a legitimate shot at winning it in back-to-back seasons that's, uh, that's again a very rare feet and extremely difficult to do so i know you're proud of it but you should be proud of it and just sit back and see what happens maybe uh maybe those guys will battle each other and you know somebody will leave you a little bit of room or maybe one of your other buds will slide in there and make that killer run first round and keep anybody from earning any more points either way again a worthy champion will come from it listen jed times is tough i mean it's like it is, I bet I'd have to call up Chase Huffman. It probably cost me forty bucks to change the numbers. It'd be way easier to just leave one on there. <laughs> much, much easier. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just wanting to save a few bucks. That's all. So, <clears throat> yeah, that uh, it, it'll be fun to watch. And, and like I said, we focused on on Phil and Bob Locke. Like, there's the, we didn't talk about Bob Locke a week ago. There's another double divisional in Bakersfield. There's a bunch of those left coast guys that are in position. Like if they, if they channeled their inner Stevie Dustin, their inner Bob Locke, well, next week we'll be talking about them. So way too early to, uh, to, to probably even handicap it, but that's ultimately what we do. Big J, there was one other big performance that I thought was uh, noteworthy in uh, St. Louis. Another name that we didn't mention a week ago. Um, we taught, we broke down the top sportsman points chase. We said it's a three horse race and maybe a three horse race with, with Lance Abbott, with Vince Hoda, with Don Mazier. And maybe if you're looking to, to pick someone from outside that power structure, uh, put your money on, on Ed Olpen. Well, Darian Bosch heard that and said, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. I have won a national championship here. Bosch rolls into St. Louis, wins race one, and all of a sudden, it's not a three-way battle. It's not a four-way battle. It's a five-way battle in top sportsmen. That clutch victory put Darian into second place in the national point standings, just 12 points, which is uh, a round and a half out of the lead. Now, Darian's only got one event left to earn points. It's going to be the national event in Dallas this weekend. He's improving a second-round loss. That means he'd have to make the semifinal to take the lead, assuming that Vince Hoda does not improve. And I believe Vince is improving a first round loss. Even if Darian were to make the semis, even if Vince were to not improve, I don't think that would hold up. Like realistically for for Darian Bosch to win the national championship, he's probably got to win again in Dallas this weekend. But I'm not going to be the guy that bets against that. Like I, I think, I think now legitimately we've got a five horse race in top sportsman. I said a week ago, Jed, this was the most riveting chase. Stock is giving it a run for its money, but top sportsman is super interesting. Yeah, obviously some late players stepping in there and making it a little more interesting is always a good thing. Always a lot of fun. But um, 
you know, this again is a category that is uh, is extremely challenging and full of talent. And they, these guys are probably going to eat themselves up um, to where somebody's going to emerge. I think quickly. I don't think this top uh, top sportsman uh, class comes down to the last event or the late rounds at the last event. I think this thing is going to get determined here in the next race or two, probably, uh, probably totally unlike the top dragster category, which Luke, we didn't talk about this off show, but um, we know our boy, Jeremy Hancock, our dog is in very good position to, to claim the national title in top dragster. And we've talked a lot about his position to where he's in a seven Oh dragster and can't qualify for every event so you don't really go to every event and and you messaged and showed me that someone let him use a ride at the the latest event and it obviously helped him get to get in the field because it was fast car uh jeremy's reached out to me and said look i've been listening to the podcast you know love it and um i think i need to get a hot rod for Vegas and possibly Pomona because I really want to make sure that I do everything I can do to win this deal. So he is calling on the podcast power, the podcast family to find him someone that is interested in uh, some type of uh, partnership to where he can qualify in Vegas. Obviously we know that's a, that's a class that challenges your ET a little. I mean, a, a track that challenges your ET a little bit with that elevation. Uh, but he's he's looking for a hot rod, a top dragster hot rod that's, you know, a guarantee to get in the field for Vegas and possibly Pomona. And um, we, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, have been offered the opportunity to help him secure this. And I know that people listening to this show, Luke, are helpful people that want to help someone realize a lifelong dream of winning an NHRA championship. So calling on the podcast family brother to, to help Jeremy Hancock secure a top dragster ride. That's going to get him in the field out West and let him fly in and do his thing and take a shot at, uh, at winning the national championship, which he's in very good position to do, but this would only help his effort. No dogs. Um, yeah, I, I hope Jeremy finds a ride. If I was in Jeremy's position, I would feel the same way. I'd want to be out there. I'd want to, I'd want to, uh, to, to be able to better control my own destiny, if you will. Easy to say from the outside. I think Jeremy's in really good position. And I think that position is even stronger today than it was the last time we talked. Um, Zach Sackman did get a win um, at St. Louis, and, and he's been a contender that we've been talking about all season but he's down to one race left. And if he wins that race, he would still be two points shy of Jeremy Hancock. The only this I'll, I'll repeat what we said last week. I believe that the, the real legitimate threat to Jeremy at this point is still Aaron Stanfield and Aaron was at St. Louis and, and failed to improve significantly. Uh, Jeremy's in really good shape. Like again, if I were him, I'd want to be out West. I'd want to be in the mix uh, def- defending that, that title, if you will. But um, if he doesn't go, I, I still really like his chances. 
Yeah, and then I think that's the position he's in, Luke. He just wants to know that he did everything he could to to make sure he secures that championship that he's worked so hard for. So we're wishing you the best, Jeremy, and podcast family. It's your time to shine and step up and find Jeremy Hancock a solid hot rod to get him in the show out there and give him a chance to to fulfill his uh, his wishes and, and certainly accomplish something that's a dream of his. There you go. Loyal right, listeners. Make it happen. Yes, hashtag. Jed, we have not discussed in at least a couple episodes this ongoing saga of the IHRA, the WDRA. Um, so let's get up to speed a little bit on on what we know as of today. What are you hearing? Well, Luke, obviously uh, these two sanctioning bodies are, uh, you know, I guess, originated from IHRA. As we know, the WDRA is a spinoff of IHRA um, important figures. And um, there's probably some bad blood, but I want to commend both of these organizations for moving forward and seemingly focusing on what they're doing with their members and their member tracks and doing it in a professional manner. From the outside looking in, it looks like both these organizations are just focused on what they're trying to accomplish and supporting a group of racers and tracks the right way. So very proud to see that. I don't know if that will ever change, but for for certainly the interim, it seems to be going the way that that it needs to go. Um, Both are talking about big plans for points programs and uh, tracks that are signing up or re-signing up and both appear to have major focus on racer enjoyment, entertainment, as well as solid rewards for efforts, for solid efforts on the racetrack and, and wins. So um, really happy to see that as well. Um, recently, our good friend, Paige Hamlin was introduced. Uh, she is uh, she's going to be working on Team IHRA, and she's going to be focusing on fulfilling the commitment to the racers as they enter the World Finals. Uh, there's been a lot of a lot of chatter. The World Finals are happening this weekend at Holly Springs Motorsports, so a lot of chatter about that. Um, but there's big announcements coming soon, and Paige is a Luke, tremendous addition to this team. She works extremely hard. She is very committed to the racer and making sure that they are getting the opportunity to, uh, I guess, compete in something meaningful. Um, She's also committed to putting in the hours necessary to give them the best experience possible whether it's an event, a series, or just being a member. So really excited for Paige. We love Paige, and um, and you and I both work with her at our events. We know how talented she is, and the IHRA certainly gets a, a mark on the board for having her involved in, in their organization. That was a really good move by Jeffers and his team. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. From the outside – and that's completely where I think both of us are at on this. 
Uh, I, I got to admit, I've been really impressed by by both organizations in the manner in which they are moving forward and, and how racer centric move. How they're both making very racer centric moves, right? And, and that would impact our audience very much. To your point with with IHRA bringing on Paige, um, we've both we're, we've both worked with her, so we know firsthand the commitment that she brings and how tremendous of an asset she is going to be um, for that sanctioning body to the sportsman racers. Like that's a brilliant move to, to get her involved. Like she would be at the top of the list. So kudos to IHRA. The flip side, the, the WDRA, um, I know you had spoken to this on, on some level. I actually got to meet the, the opportunity to meet um, Don Scott firsthand. He, he came to the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout of all things, introduced himself. And in a, five minute conversation. Like I got to admit the dude's pretty influential. Like I, I don't want to say I'm sold, but I'm a believer, right? Like I think that's the right guy at the helm. He's, he's a charismatic, sensible, well-spoken, like got me excited about what they're trying to build in a very brief period of time. Like I, I, you don't want to compare anybody to Bill Bader, but like he seems to be, my first impression is he's the right dude leading the ship, right? And so I'm from afar impressed with what both organizations are doing, where their intentions lie, the direction that they're trying to move. Like, I think they're both really positive. And the longer this goes on, Jed, the more convinced I am that I'm wrong. But I still go back to my initial thought of, I didn't realize there was enough of a, of a market there to fight over. Like, and I'm still not completely convinced that there are enough racers, racetracks, sponsors to support two completely independent organizations. But again, the longer I go that this goes on and the longer that they continue to build independently, the more convinced I am that I'm wrong. Um, But it'd be interesting. Like, I think at some point this off season, we will get some of the, 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 the luminaries, you know, whether it's Don Scott or Larry Jeffers or Paige Hamlin or on down the line to discuss maybe not on the same episode but at some point like what they're building why and how it's going to work because maybe there is a world in which there are three major sanctioning bodies in in drag racing like maybe we're a bit biased because i don't really remember a time that there were three successful sanctioning bodies uh, but i guess i'm it's probably not fair to me to say that it won't work it just seems I never thought that it was worth fighting for, but again, uh, the longer this goes on, the more convinced I am that I'm wrong, which wouldn't be a first. <laughs> well said, Luke. I, you know, the, the NHRA program obviously is is its own type of program that I don't think anybody can duplicate uh, with the professional categories and certainly the sportsman following that the NHRA offers. And the coveted Wally is is going to be the trophy, the championship that all dream of, of accomplishing. So the NHRA is, is going to remain king in terms of what a sanctioning body offers to its racers. But I do think there's enough sportsman racers and enough racetracks that both of these can live successfully independently of one another. Um, however, there's always going to be competition. They're they're seeking the same audience. So there's always going to be competition. And at some point, Luke, 
the general feeling is that one's going to eat the other up. Um, again, that's just Big Jed being a, a, a backwoods hick and thinking that, that, you know, that's inevitable. But ideally, they can both serve a, a certain section uh, of sportsman racing. And, you know, in a perfect world, for me, there's going to come a time where the IHRA and the WDRA compete on the racetrack against one another at some type of event or events. And I think that that's just going to add a level of pride to the, to the members of each sanctioning body. And it's certainly going to add some excitement to it. So I don't know how far that is down the road or if it's even possible, but certainly would love to see that happen one day. I got nothing left. Luke, okay, well, that wraps us up. I guess we'll just <laughs> shut this one down. Uh, <laughs> That's it. That's the show. Thanks for it's listening. Done. Yeah, yeah. Y'all just leave us alone now. We're done. But uh, no, that was, that was good stuff. Uh, a lot of great talking there, Luke. Love talking those points championships, those points battles. Um, love talking about foot brake racing to start the show. So really good stuff there. And um, can't wait to see how these points championship chases continue to play out this is going to be pretty exciting stuff and i know you'll keep us uh keep us informed um as uh, far on, as let me, I, I didn't have this on the show notes i just realized by the time that this episode airs we will be days away from the start of the 27th is that right oh i should know this but 20 something annual million dollar race by the time that our next episode airs um It'll be the day of the million, right? So let's get our picks yes. in. Like, who's hot coming into the million? Who you got to feel for taking home, if not the biggest check of the season? I think it's fair to say the most prestigious Happy Gilmore check of the season at the the OG Million. Who's who's going to win it? Oh my goodness, Luke! This is um, this is very uh, on the spot, and uh, I'm just not prepared. So I'm going to go to pretty much a um i guess a, a normal pick or a, a typical pick and i'm going to say that the winner of this year's million dollar race is going to be a racer that has done it multiple times and gary williams will once again put his name on the final round big check at this year's million dollar drag race Solid pick. Way to go out on a limb. Um, yeah, I was really guessing there. <laughs> I should have trusted my instincts, Big Jed. 27th annual. I, I nailed it. Oh, good should call. I should have just said that more confidently. Yeah, good Instead call. Of 27th, the 27th annual OG Million. I'm, I'm going to redeem myself to all the Buckeyes. Chris Bayer is my pick. Oh, million. okay. So picking OH. Okay. I know. I like it. That's uh, it's good stuff, and um, it'll be interesting. I think we might should, you know, look at this again next week when we record. But nonetheless, I'm sure that uh, that one of those Wait, racers is that your way of telling me that you want to make two or three picks? Yeah, yeah, That's I really like to have some. Roll. You got I like to have some backups. <laughs> how can how Jed sitting back there? How can I straddle the fence? I got it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm I'm thinking I might think of somebody else that can win it that I like, so I'm I'll might pick them too. But I'd like to have two or three good picks. You know how I roll. 
That's fair. I mean, out of 300 plus entries, you know, a needle in the haystack. Like, I mean, if Gary wins, you're going to take all the credit for that, but you might as well pick four or five more. <laughs> uh, Capital City is going to be covered up this weekend with uh, the Mike Smith Memorial Race. Um, our dear friend Mike Smith that passed a few years ago. Uh, ben and, and the guys have put Ben Willis and the guys have put this event together. So that's going to be covered up. People getting there early for the million, spending a couple of weeks at Capital City Motorsports Park. So we'll have some bracket racing to talk about next week. And of course, pre previewing the million is uh, is always a good time. So guys, be sure to tune into that next week. As for this week, we appreciate you listening. Thank you for tuning in this far this long, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Um, if you got something to comment about on this show or something that we should have said or about something we said or something we should have said by all means there's a place to do that that's the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page you can post right there publicly for everyone to see or you can send us a private message and uh, producer mark will snag that right up and uh, tell luke and i what's happening what what was said so um as uh, as um again the opportunity to uh, speak your mind as that happens for you. Also do that, but reach out again, if you've got something to, to tell us about for Jeremy Hancock, because I can get you in touch with Jeremy Hancock, help him find a hot rod and top dragster for the uh, West coast event. So he can uh, accomplish his dream of the NHRA championship. So again, if you got stuff to say, say that, but if you also got, uh, some help for jeremy send me big jed a message on my facebook page and i will get you in touch with jeremy luke i dragged that way too long but it's shout time do you have something for us this week minimal but yes shouts to deja vu's and rendezvous shouts to backward hicks backwoods hicks everywhere yeah. uh, a little bit off the grid i don't think we, we didn't discuss this shouts to Summit Racing Equipment Raceway Park and Billy Bader specifically announced this morning, Big Jed, 996 pre-entries to this week's Halloween Classic, 820 rigs on the grounds Saturday, a week prior to the main event. Holy cow, Luke. The That's Halloween incredible. Classic is where it's at. Good That's, for them. It's one of those bucket list items. I think the 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 biggest day of it pays like five grand. It's not worth driving to Norwalk, Ohio. One day before I die, <laughs> I will run the Halloween Classic. It looks fun. I want to race the motorhome race. I do. I <laughs> Absolutely. That. I love that. Shouts to Jenny Folk, who is going to pull all the strings at the 27th annual million dollar race, eight and a half months pregnant. Yeah, we, we might be birthing a million dollar baby down there. In lane nine. <laughs> yeah, could be. Yes. Shouts I, to Jenny. I, just, I, I, I know obviously not firsthand. Like I'm familiar with the stress of, of having a baby. I'm familiar with the stress of putting on a drag race. I cannot imagine intertwining the two. No, no. Kudos to, to Jenny. Like I know she's superwoman to begin with, but this is, this is something. This is next level. No doubt about it. Great way to end your shouts, Luke. That was perfect. Oh, unless one, you didn't end them. One other thing, like just again, kind of thinking through the timeline, we made our picks for the winners. One of the things we always like to do around the, these mega events is car count predictions. I think it's going to be big, big, Jed. Give me the surrounding races, the biggest surrounding race, which was likely to be what, Thursday? Thursday. Yep. 
and give me an entry count in the million? Uh, I'm going to go 587 in the sur- the biggest surrounding race. Okay. And the million is going to be impressive, Luke. It's going to be 303. Good picks, good numbers. I uh, I have the 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 luxury of going second, uh, and my instinct is to go complete prices right on you. You went five eighty seven. I want to take. I want to go five eighty eight. Like one dollar right here, one dollar right. <laughs> but the number that I had in mind six thirty four. So I'll go six thirty four. Nice. Three hundred three is a is a big number for the million. But I'm with you. Like I just. I think it's going to be big. It's what it's only the second or third year that they've allowed same car, same driver doubles. I just, there hasn't been another, you know, major event in, in a month, basically. I feel like everybody's saving up for one last hurrah. Um, I'm looking at, I'm trying to look at the flyer. You said three Oh three. Three. Like that would put the winner's purse at $325,000. That's big. Um, what am I going to do with it all? What are you going to do with it all? I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns here. My initial thought was bigger yet. I'll say 342, which would put the winner's purse at 350 grand. Wow. Can't wait to get my hands on that chick. <laughs> it's going to be a big I hope million. you're right. I hope you're right. Good stuff. Good picks. And a uh, good show. Um, Luke and I are very active on Twitter, folks. If you'd like to tweet, we're sitting here waiting on you to tweet us anytime and all the time. He is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And I am at JP11X. Please tweet us, add us, tag us, whatever you do. Do it often. And uh, we, we can't wait to see what you got to say. That wraps us up. We appreciate you again tuning in. Thank you, hashtag loyal listeners. And if you're a new listener, we thank you as well. And we can't wait to be back and talk to you again real soon about more sportsman drag racing. OH. IO. Go dogs. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again. 
on December the 8th.